Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. But I remember sitting in the car and I remember the, the, the results of the blood test and we looked at them and, and it didn't, we, I, was, I don't know what we were expecting. I was expecting it just to say pregnant on the top and like a little woohoo. No, it doesn't do that. It's just got data in front of you. Like trying to read it and I'm like, Fee, you're the scientist. What does this mean? And, and we got a little nervous. So we did what anyone would do. We sent that photo to, I don't know if you know, Kerry Joubert. She's in the church here. She's a doctor. And we thought we can get a free consultation by privilege of church community. So we sent her to her and said, what, if somebody saw this, what would this mean? And she just replied, pregnant. And I remember just the joy that just leapt in my heart. I was like, just that moment, just the euphoria rushing in and going, I'm going to be a dad. And like, we just, tears, it was just, it was snot and trana. It was just all over the show, if I'm allowed to use that word. I say Afrikaans words and get rebuked often afterwards. That's, that's swearing. You can't do that. Oh, sorry. So I'm just being careful. But I remember it was just it was, it was a, mo- a moment that I won't forget, uh, forget quickly. We drove to the beachfront and we started pondering and you, your brain's rushing. Like, what do you think, girl or boy? And you start, you start getting ahead of yourself and you start thinking and planning. And, and I can see envisioning myself as a dad and what I'm going to be like. I'm phoning relatives and letting them know. And the exciting news, we're pregnant. And it's so exciting. And you, get, you plan you and plot your Facebook announcement. You know, it's a big thing these days, you know. No, this is the thing. We've got to get this right. It's got to be just creative and quirky enough so people know, hey, wow, they're so cool and they're so trendy. The way they announce their pregnancy, you know the deal. And we put it up there and then you just watch all the likes come in. You're like, wow, look how popular we are. I got more likes than you, Fee. Wow, look at that. And, uh, but we all these, these an early day excitement and ex- passion and just, and we're planning and, and Fee's a planner. So she's like, we've got to get the bedroom ready. So we're buying nappies. There was like the you know, Black Friday every Friday. We're just we're so excited. It was just crazy excitement that was welling up inside of us. I remember and telling our family and the creative ways we could. And it was just so, so fun. And, just like, and then you know, something crazy happened. Nothing. For nine months. I don't know about you, but it is a, such a weird reality of this euphoric moment of, we're pregnant! And then nothing. For a very long time. Actually, so much so that every day I'm looking at V, you look just the same. And then, and, then, and then slowly over month after month, a little bump starts to appear. Slowly after a little while, so we st- she starts having morning sickness and different, emo- different emotions. But all the time, I want to tell you, I, if I, I don't want to exaggerate, but those seemed like the nine longest months of my life. It just seemed like it wasn't coming any closer. Like, when is this baby coming? You're prepared and you're so excited, but just it wouldn't ever come. I want to tell you, then all of a sudden, in those last few weeks of pregnancy, it all starts to speed up again. It's like this weird reality. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's so next month. It's next week. Oh, my, it's tomorrow. And we're packing bags. We're going in. And uh, because of some complications, we had a C-section with, with Olivia. And uh, praise the Lord for that and amazing doctors. But I remember that moment. We were in the hospital. And all of a sudden, you're being wheeled in and putting on a mask. I'm looking crazy. It's like as crazy as lights, camera, action. A lot of people there. There's just, it's just a wild, wild ride. All of a sudden, they're cutting open the tank. They're like, fee, they're taking you in insides out. And she's like, don't tell me. Give me a running commentary. Shut up. I'm just wide-eyed and just like, and it just is crazy. All of a sudden, just this little bundle of red comes out. My little girl, Livy Grace, I'm crying. I can't stop. Fia's crying. The anesthetist is crying. I was worried about that. But just, but everything was good. And just, and all of a sudden, it's here. And it's done. And, it's, and that moment that you've been preparing for for nine months is over in one sense, but actually only just beginning. But it's so funny, from the moment of conception to the moment of birthing, it seems like an eternity. 
Any other parents can vouch for that. That, that time, those nine months, especially women can go, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> well, I want to tell you today that actually sometimes that is often what happens in the kingdom of God. Well, actually more often than not, that's how God works. God will speak something into being. He'll, he'll declare a promise into your life, and then you'll be so excited. You're like, yes, God is going to bring a breakthrough. But then so often there seems to be a long gap and a long delay and a long journey before you see it. And so often a lot of people actually fall off the wagon in that journey because they're saying, actually, it's not happening. Why? So you start doubting who God is. You see, I want to tell you today that God is a promise maker. He's a promise keeper. And he's a promise declaring God. This is who he is. He's a promise maker. He's a promise declaring God. But he's a promise keeping God. This is his nature. This is who he is. But I want to tell you, he's not on our timing. He operates in a different time spectrum. But I want to say, in with that even as a, a little notion, a little, a little soundbite, it's like, sounds great, and we get a few amens. Yes, he is a promise maker and a promise keeper. Sometimes it seems like an eternity between the promise and seeing the result of it. Maybe I'm the only one, but I want to say today that the wait between the promise and the breakthrough is often the most discomforting time. Today, I want to help us because I believe that there's the, a sense of discomfort and a sense of, uh, in this season, of, of, of a wrestle that goes inside of us between what he said and when it arrives. And sometimes that silence, sometimes that, God, where are you? God, why haven't you answered the prayers? God, why is it not happening? Can be silent and awkward. And we don't know what to do with it. I want to help us understand that by pointing us to a Christian tradition that is uh, in, in more Reformed congregations is often more celebrated. And actually, we're bringing, we're bringing it back. We're bringing the traditions back. But a season, this season in the Christian tradition is called Advent. Advent. You might, we've dumbed it down in the more charismatic churches just to an Advent calendar, something that gives you a little chocolate once a day. But Advent is a, a Christian season. It's the, the, the four Sundays, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. So today we've got four Sundays leading up to Christmas, and we're going to be wrestling with this, this, this concept of Advent. And what Advent means, Advent literally means the waiting, the hoping, the expecting of something noble and important. I'd like to say it's the waiting, the expectance, the, the, the hoping for something that looks like a king. I want to tell you there's a tradition in the church that for every, every week there's a candle in the churches that they light a candle. They, there's four candles leading up to the, the, the Christmas Day celebration. And they light a candle representing different stages of this waiting, this hoping, this expecting to help people wrestle with this journey. And today I want to tell you this is the first candle. And we're going to light this candle. We won't light candles every week. Don't worry. We're not going that full. We're, not, we're a little bit nervous with candles here in church. We'll do it. Don't want to burn down the place. And I have put this thing upside down. So... Who knows? This will go well. But Brett, would you come and help me? As we, the first Sunday, this is the lighting, this candle in the church tradition is called the hope of the promise. The, the candle of hope, a candle of the hope of the promise. And you can go, go for it, Brett. And it's uh, vanilla scented, so just sort of zhuzh it up a little bit, you know. And we're off and running here, eh, Brett. It's a technical job, but we've got a technical man. There we go. And all of a sudden, the candle is lit. I want to tell you this morning as we preach, and as I hope this will be an image that will be, uh, excuse the pun, will burn into your hearts. But this morning I want to answer the question, what do we do between the promise and the breakthrough? That's all I want to help us wrestle with. What do you do between the promise and the breakthrough? So that's what we're going to do this morning. So three things from this text this morning. Number one, it'll be on the screen behind me. I want to tell you, number one, when it seems delayed, when it's delayed, hold on to hope. 
So we go back to our text, Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9 is written, the book of Isaiah is written plus minus 700 years before Jesus' birth. 700 years before Jesus' birth. So if you're thinking the promises of God in your life are taking a long time, you've got nothing on Israel. 700 years of a promise for unto us a Savior is coming, a child will be born who will redeem us, who will rescue us from our enemies. 700 year wait. Nine months is nothing compared to that. But what's so fascinating is that actually if you understand the backdrop of Isaiah 9, uh, Isaiah 1 to 8, if you just want to go read and be depressed this week, go read Isaiah 1 to 8. It is just Isaiah lambasting the people of God for how far they have walked away from God. And he's saying them, saying, the Syrian army is knocking and waiting on the door to take you captive. And the Babylonians are coming to take you captive. And this was stuff that was going to happen to them, but they were resisting the word of God. There was, he was saying, that he, there's a king that demands a response from you, but they silenced their ears. And he said, actually, you're going to go into darkness. You're going to go into d- doubt. You're going to go into despair because you're not following what God is saying. And, the, and then there's this promise saying, yes, but though you'll go into darkness, there's still a promise that a light will shine. A light will come. A day will come when redemption comes. And this is the amazing story that happens, and that's why they start in Isaiah 9 as we read it. It's almost like it says, and nevertheless, the darkness will not go on forever. And in that moment, as you read Isaiah 9, it's almost like the lighting of the candle of hope. Just a flicker. 700 years. When they go into Babylon, when, they get kept, when the Syrians come against them, as they come back, return to, to the broken ruins and try and rebuild the ruins, and they're going, how long, O Lord? How long will you wait? Our ancestors failed us and failed us and failed us. We led us so far away from the promises of God. For every generation, they return to Isaiah's words in chapter 9 going, nevertheless, the darkness will not go on forever. In their heart, there was just a flicker of hope. Just a flicker. Just a little candle. It wasn't a roaring hope. It wasn't a blazing hope. It was just a flicker. I want to say this to you today. Just because it's delayed doesn't mean it's denied. Maybe this is for somebody here this morning, but maybe you need to hear that just because it's delayed doesn't mean it's denied, or in a better way, because it's taking, just because it's taking time doesn't mean that he's changed his mind. He's not a God that changes his mind. He's not like the shifting shadows. He's a God who says, all my promises are yes and amen. You can trust me. There's a, there's a scripture that comes in the Proverbs that says that a pregnant woman does not get diminished while she waits. She gets larger. And playing on a theme of a pregnant woman, yes, the journey of nine months, but as, as the journey, as the, the promise that has been given the, of conception starts to take root and, and starts to grow and take shape in the womb, a woman, as she waits, doesn't grow, gets smaller and smaller and thinner and thinner, going, oh, this well, it's taking so long. No, with expectancy, she gets larger and larger and larger until the moment comes and the promise is in front of you. And that's who we are called to be, a people that don't shrink back, but lean in and actually grow with, it, grow with the expectancy. This is not some weak and trivial hope. This is not some like a thin like, like positivity. Just hope some more. No, this is based on a promise keeper. So this should enlarge our hearts. You see, if you flick in your book, in your Bible, his book, the Bible, to a few pages to a book called Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Just flick across there if you can. You don't have to see it, but just have to realize a few books across from Isaiah. That little journey from the book of Isaiah to the book of Malachi is 300 years. So just a few books that we flick through and read. It's 700 years before Christ, we get to the book of Malachi. It's now 400 years before Christ. And Malachi, a new prophet, 300 years on. I don't know how many years people live, but let's just go three, four generations on. And what is he declaring? He's still declaring, the son of righteousness will rise with healing his wings. And can I imagine if you've been sitting in those sermons for 300 years 
And you've seen the devastation. They're going, Isaiah 9, we're going to, salvation is coming. And in America, it's coming, coming, coming. Going, yo, we've heard these sermons. You can imagine. Get a new theme, guys. Is that someone's car getting stolen? No. It's just been stolen, so it's fine. Let's keep going. But can you imagine in that moment, like you hear that sermon, hope is coming. And after a while, it starts seeming trite because you're going, 300 years. Where? And, but they keep going. They keep leaning in. And actually, if you flick again from the book of Malachi, that one page that separates the Old Testament to the New Testament, the book of Malachi, flick over to the book of Matthew or Luke or Mark or John, whichever gospel you want to read, that one page signifies 400 years. 400 years, and that's what they call the intertestimonial period. It's called the silent years. The silent years. And I can imagine those years people going, God, where are you? God, what's going on? What about your promise? And the time between the promise and the breakthrough is often the most awkward, uncomfortable times. So we see the story, but as the story opens up, I want to tell you, though it's delayed, you want to hold on to hope because as we turn that page, we find it's incredible. Isaiah is using this imagery of pregnancy and, and waiting, getting large and large, and all the prophets saying, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings, turning fathers back to sons, all this family imagery. And the first people we run into as the page is turned, after 700 years of waiting, the page is turned onto who? A barren old couple. God has a sense of humor. And then the second one is a, a teenage virgin. The two most obscure groups of people who would ever be able to carry this, the seed of life. But God said, I'm going to use what has been disqualified to bring my promise. And it's this powerful narrative. You go read it home. We don't have time today, but read Zechariah and Elizabeth, this old barren couple who've been, who know the word. They've probably been in every, those sermons. They've been hearing the sermons. He's coming, he's coming, coming. And then those delayed, it comes and the promise breaks into their life. And John is born. And then into Mary's life, Jesus is born. And all of a sudden, the, the wait and he speeds up and it's, yeah! In a dramatic effect. Those delayed, I want to say, hold on to hope. There's a couple in our church, we've told the story many times, but I feel it needs to be told again and again. A couple called Wayne and Jen. They're a couple who are on eldership, and their number one desire, they run, they've been running the soup kitchen to noon where it looks after kids, and their hearts love kids. They just have a, she's a, a headmistress at a preschool. Just their hearts are so large for kids. They just love children. But they had negative report after negative report and negative report that they would never be able to have full pregnant. They fell pregnant a few times, but every time they fell pregnant, it was not able to, the seed was not able to take and, and not able to lead to life. And there was, it was much trauma and sadness in this journey. But they kept holding on saying, but God has put this desire in our hearts for kids. And he's promised us kids. And they kept trying and kept falling short, kept trying and falling short. Nothing would ever happen. And the time between the promise and seeing God's faithfulness seemed very awkward and very tough and very hard. And a lot of questions and a lot of moments. Why? And we just say, I don't know. But he's a promise maker and he's the promise keeper. I don't know, but he is, that's who he is. And I want to tell you the amazing culmination of that story. Or I shouldn't say culmination because I believe God's still doing things there. But there were a couple that just it didn't seem it seemed awkward because of family situations. But there was a, they had a teenage son, a teenage uh, nephew, who was at another family because of stuff going on in the family there. The family process said, would you guys mind like, fostering him and adopting him into your family? And I remember the wrestle for them because going, no, we're trusting. This is we're trusting God for our own kids. That's not the way it should look. But they said, okay, we'll do that. And Lee came into their family as teenage years and the awkwardness of that situation, trying to reconcile that relationship. And then as that journey went, they start saying, actually, what about adoption? 
Maybe this is the journey God's got on us. And then they remember the day they had said, actually, they were planning and praying, and they went to the adoption agency, uh, to, the, to the, the little place, the care center, where they were going to go and meet their, their future son for the first time. And they didn't even know his name. They didn't know any details, but they said, they, the guy said, we've got a perfect candidate for you. And they arrived there that day, and they saw a little boy hiding behind a couch, looking at them. Little lad, just looking behind the couch. And then Wayne just said, what's his name? They said, no, that's the boy we've got for you. And he said, yeah, but what's his name? And they said, his name's Zachary. And Wayne said, you know what? I started to weep because he, he had, we'd realized recently that the name Zachary means the Lord has remembered. There's no coincidences in God's kingdom. And that little boy is now in my little, my little girl's class and their best friends. This little boy who was his life was discarded on the side, but actually God said, actually, I've got a different plan. I've got a different plan. Those delayed, it's not been denied. I'm working in the shadows. I'm working in the margins. I'm working in the silence to bring hope. I want to say to you, sir, ma'am, maybe you're here today and you're waiting for a spouse. You're waiting. You've been praying and praying and praying. God's promised and people said, no, it's coming. But it seems like it's not coming. You've been waiting for a new job. You've been waiting for healing to come. You've come up for prayer so many times. You're just giving it, you're like, actually, it's getting embarrassing now. Or maybe you've been waiting for the birth of a child. You've been waiting and longing and hoping. You've been waiting for a specific breakthrough. I want to say to you today, those delayed, hold on to hope. The simplicity and the profound nature of that statement should fuel our hearts with faith. Secondly, this morning, when it's disappointed, hold on to hope. I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant. I guess some of, most of you have, 99%, hopefully. But... I, I, I go to restaurants, you know, when you're looking through the menu and, and you're seeing all these different things and sometimes you're not too sure what they are. But my favorite thing to do is when I go to a restaurant, I know this will just give away what type of restaurants are my favorite, are the ones with the pictures of the meals. I like those ones because you know, I want that thing. I want that one. But I don't know if you've ever gone to some restaurants and obviously some are probably, they often fall in the cheaper line of things uh, or the more fast food type reality. But I, I remember the disappointment when I sit down and I see this incredible image of this burger that's just looking huge and juicy and like the bacon's looking so crispy and the cheese is like it's melting. I'm like, I want that. Bring me that thing. And they're like, we've got it. They place the order and they come and, and when they bring it out, it looks nothing like it. It's like the shriveled thing. You're like, that's that. Ah. Oh. It's like, I don't know if you've ever had those moments and the disappointment that hits and you see someone else's order and you're like, oh, I can't have that. I want that one. And there's that moment of that ordering and the frustration and going, it doesn't look like what you promised. Well, I want to tell you that actually, that actually happened for most of Israel. For 700 years, they're waiting for a Messiah. They're waiting for someone who will free them from their captives. They're waiting for someone who will bring them out of their bondage. And then what happens? A baby is born. In poverty, in obscurity, in a manger, in, 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 in some awkwardness because there's a, it's a virgin birth and they want to divorce quietly and it's not in the, it's not in the headlines, it's not, not on the, in the front page, it's in the margins, it's in the silence, it's in the quiet on the side. And most of Israel go, that can't be it. It's too disappointing. We've been waiting for so long, that's too disappointing for us. I want to tell you in this moment, don't disqualify what God is doing just because you think he is done. That's a good line. I think you should write it down. Don't disqualify what God is doing just because you think he is done. You see, when I first moved to Cape Town about 10 years ago, I, I remember God speaking strongly about actually in faith as a young 20-something-year-old, you know, a bit naive faith and a bit zealous, and let's go, we're going to change the world for Jesus. And I came with this burning passion in my heart that actually just revival is going, I'm here, I stepped out of faith, I am here now. Cape Town is going to come to Jesus. 
in droves. And I remember arriving and so pumped with faith and, and planning and prepping. And I remember we're going to start this youth group, and this youth group is going to be incredible, and it's going to be powering and moving forward. And I remember the night we said, we're going to gather people, invited Wally and the guys made an announcement at church. Hey, Gabe's here now. Gabe's here. I'm like, yeah, I'm here. I am here. Revival is about to start. And I remember that first night, as all the kids came, all the, well, I thought all the kids were going to come. And we were ready for the first night of youth ministry. And nine kids were there. One of them had a droopy eye. One of them, I'm just joking. Sorry. <laughs> oh. And I remember to even just keep enthusiasm for the rest of that evening was disappointing. <laughs> just to be like, hey, it was, it was the most disappointing. But I want to tell you in those moments, those are the moments that actually we have to hear the voice of God and hold on to hope afresh. Because so often it's in those moments when things, the promise doesn't look like what you had hoped for. The things that you stepped on faith for, that actually, but I stepped on faith and I left that relationship. And you, the, the word of God said, if I walk away from that relationship, he'll open up new doors. But now there's no new doors. I've taken a step of faith. I started giving. I started giving to the church. But now it seems like the budget's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. It's disappointing. What's happening here? I want to say in this moment, don't listen to the wrong voices while you're in the waiting room. If you've ever been in a waiting room, and you're waiting for a doctor's diagnosis, or you're waiting for a report to come, you can sit in a waiting room, and you can hear conversations that will put fear in your heart. You'll start to say, what are you here for? Oh, no, we just, I just came for a quick blood test. Ooh. Do you know what that could be? It's multiple things. Like, it's like worse than Google. Starts giving these negative reports. Can I tell you, actually, in the waiting room, sometimes those are the moments where the, the enemy's voice wants to speak loudest. In between the promise and the breakthrough, the enemy's voice will start to speak. And we have to choose what voice we're listening to in that moment because negative voices always fill the space quickest. Whenever there's a space, whenever there's a void, the negative, negative voices will fill it the quickest. But we have to be aware, aware to this, this, this fact because I want to say this moment, the thing you feed the longest will be the thing that becomes the strongest. The thing you feed the longest be the thing that you feed, become the strongest. It just, it's a case in point, it happened in our family. We had three boys. My parents fed our middle child the longest. <laughs> it's biology, guys. Sure, creatine might have been involved, but anyway, who's counting? But all jokes aside, then in, in, in the natural realm that happens, you feed that thing the longest, that will grow. But actually in the spiritual realm, it's even more so. The voices that you're feeding, the hard attitudes you're feeding, the place you're leading will become stronger and stronger and stronger. But I want to remind you, though it seems disappointing, hold on to hope. Don't give in right now because actually I want to say this. He defines the promise, not you. If he's the promise maker and he's the promise keeper, he will define it. He will define the promise. Don't kick out of that moment. And actually in that same breath, don't despise what he gives you. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Don't despise the seemingly ordinary. Don't despise those moments. Zechariah and Elizabeth, Zechariah despised the word of the Lord. And because of that, he was silenced. Because the Lord said, I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of the Lord and I will make what I say to come true. Your negativity won't, won't walk, in, walk in this journey. Sometimes we need to silence those voices. Because I want to say this, that when Jesus comes as king, it's not always as we would expect. When Jesus came and the disciples started to see his ministry take shape, what were they saying? They said, you're here and you're going to overthrow the Romans. Come on. 
We're going to take the Romans. We're with you. Jesus is coming. We're marching to Jerusalem. He's going to be anointed king. The Messiah is here. We recognize it. We know you're the Messiah. You're the king, and you're going to overthrow the Romans. And Jesus said, no. And they were disappointed. You're not going to overthrow the Romans? No. It's because actually I've got a bigger, bigger job at hand. I'm going to overthrow the whole legion of hell. But actually, when we see with natural eyes, we get disappointed quick what God is doing. But he says, actually, in the delays and the disappointments, hold on to hope because I'm working something greater behind the scenes. Thirdly and finally this morning is, when it's dead, hold on to hope. When the marriage seems done, when the finances have dried up, when the diagnosis seems set, when the years seem wasted, when the sin seems insurmountable, when your addiction seems unforgivable, Hold on to hope. You see, if you read the book of Isaiah, which is an incredible read, you'll notice that he uses quite often this, uh, this imagery of something called a tree stump. He talks about a tree stump again and again. He talks about this thing. And what is a tree stump? A tree stump is a reminder of what once was and what will never be again. With natural eyes, a tree stump is a reminder of what once was. This was a massive palm tree up in Durbanville. I didn't cut it myself, just a disclaimer. What, a reminder of what once was, but also what will never be. In Isaiah 6, the first time we see it is in the, the book of Isaiah 6. It's not, I don't think it will be on the screen. But Isaiah 6 verse 13, we see this line at the end of Isaiah's call. And, and he says this. So Israel, he talks about Israel as a stump and says Israel's stump will become a holy seed. And as you keep reading, you see Isaiah 9 says this, this moment's coming. But then you get to Isaiah 11, Isaiah 11 verse 1, and this will be on the screen behind me. And it says this about this, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. These promises start to come. And I want to tell you, this is a profound thing, because a stump that once was a tree, the nation of Israel was always referred to as this great tree, this great extravagant tree. And the prophet Zechariah talks again about the restoration, says you'll become a great tree that people come, nation will flock to and find shade in. But the great nation of Israel had no longer was a great tree providing shade for the nations, but because of rebellion and sin and disobedience had been cut down and become a stump. It says you're a stump. And when he says the, the stump of Jesse, because that's was a reminder of who Jesse was. Jesse was the father of David and the father of promise, the one who was going to bear the seed of the nation, that David would become the king, that we would lead us into a new realm, that David did do that. But then even David fell, and David laid things short. And actually the nation of Israel at this point are looking back saying, can you just give us as good as David? We'll take that. But I says, no, 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 no. This is, this is something greater that's coming from the stump of Jesse, the thing that's been cut short. Roots will start to grow. I want to say today that the, what has been cut short will bear fruit. There's another time it appears in the scripture, Job verse 14, Job 14, verse 8 and 9. If you, let me read it quickly while it's there. It says this, Those roots have grown old in the earth, and its stump decays. At the scent of water it will bud and sprout again like a new seedling. Let me just give you context about this man named Job. You can leave that scripture up there for a little bit. Job was a man who had lost everything. 
Job was a man who had had his life cut down in every single area. You think you've had it bad financially, you've got nothing on our boy Job. You think you've had, you've had loss in your life, you've had nothing on Job. You think you've had the toughest days, the darkest days, the longest days, the hardest days, you've got nothing on Job. And at the height of it, when he is in Job 14, he is, he is asking, it's in between, God has made a promise to him, but it seems like everything is being stripped away and he's a million miles away from breakthrough. And he starts to say, God, why? What is happening? Why is this happening to me? But then in the midst of that, there's this promise that reminds him, he says, even though the stump decays, at the scent of water, at the scent of water, the stump sends out roots. Even though it seems far, the stump will send out roots to go and find. It'll start, it'll start looking, for the wa- looking for that water, looking for that water. He says, my heart is like that, though it's been severed. I'm looking for the life of God. I'm looking for what you're about to do. The stump of Job. Now, I want to tell you there's another scripture. We're doing a bit of work here. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Says this hope deferred. The amplified version of the Bible says hope deferred, hope delayed, hope disappointed, or hope crushed. Makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, if you don't have context of the Bible, that scripture doesn't really make sense. We all will agree with the first part. Hope delayed, hope deferred, hope crushed, hope disappointed makes the heart sick. You, you'll know that when you've been promised something, you've been promised a promotion, but they just seem to keep overstepping and going to somebody else. Your heart starts to get sick. When, the, when you waited with unrequited love or requited love, when you're waiting for somebody to, that message, I'm putting myself out there, but that person's just not getting back to me. And you just start to get disappointed in that moment. When you've been, you're trusting for something, you're going every week, every month, you're going in, to, are we going to fall pregnant? And nothing nothing your heart starts to grow sick starts to grow sore starts to feel crushed but the scripture doesn't stop there that comma separates a huge profound statement says but a longing fulfilled the breakthrough is a tree of life now let me just finish this by doing this some work here the bible the whole synopsis of the bible from genesis to revelation the story in between between the promise and the breakthrough takes place in between two trees genesis chapter one we find a tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that tree became a curse because they took from it what they shouldn't have done and led to death. The book of Revelations at the very end will tell us that the nations will stream to it and there'll be a tree of life. So the whole Bible is separate, is divided with a tree at the beginning and a tree at the end. A tree that brought death and then a tree at the end that will represent life. But we are people who know that there's actually a third tree in the Bible. It's quite profound. It's right slap bang in the middle. After 700 or so plus minus years of waiting, a man named Jesus Christ comes. And he comes, and I want to say this morning, he comes out of the line of David. If you follow his genealogy, he comes from Jesse, David. If you go read the genealogies of Matthew and Luke, Jesus is not, not one detail in God's design is left to chance. In the, between the delays, in between the disappointments, when Israel, year after year, offering sacrifices, saying, well, how long, O oh Lord? How long, O oh Lord? God says, I'm waving every generation. I'm weaving it together. I'm doing something so profound. I'm doing something so deliberate that you're going to be amazed at what I'm doing. From the line of Jesse, from the stump of Jesse, the root of David will bear fruit, and Jesus starts to become born. And Jesus is born, and they disappointed but when they see Jesus born his life starts to shake take shape and I want to tell you that Jesus primary purpose was not to come and be born it was to die Jesus said I came to die and I want to tell you in this whole verse when we read Isaiah 9 earlier 
The whole power of that verse, the promise, the promises laden with, you won't walk in darkness for long. They said that all these promises, they said, Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, this child will be born, he'll be a wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. This incredible savior is coming. But the power of it is actually in the last verse, verse 7. It says, what is our guarantee, our stamp of guarantee of how this will happen? It says, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven will make this happen. The better translation says, for the zeal of the Lord will make this happen. A better translation actually of all that is, the passion of the Lord will make this happen. And when Jesus died, you might have seen the movie, but there's no, no mistake that Mel Gibson called it this. In church tradition, the death of Jesus is called the passion of the Christ. I want to tell you the guarantee in our life is not only the fact that he's made a promise, but he's already accomplished the promise. He's handed the receipt by his death on the cross. That every delay, every disappointment, every death is overshadowed by his death on the cross. Let me tell you this. Why? Because Jesus in Isaiah 53 verse 8, talking about Jesus, it says Jesus' life was cut short midstream. Like a stump, a tree that started to grow. And people started to come and feed from it and find life from it. But as it grew, at the age of 33, his life was cut short and hung upon a tree that had also been cut short and been used as an instrument of death. And he had been hung upon it and it was something, a symbol of death, a symbol of disappointment, a symbol of delay. Another false messiah has come and gone. And the nation were plunged into depression again. We'll have to keep waiting. But Jesus says, no, the wait is over. Because I've accomplished what I came to do. I want to tell you this in the story today. As we land this time, I believe God is wanting to put the simplest of, but the most profound thing into hearts this morning. If you're feeling life is delayed, the promise is delayed, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you, you don't know how, when is the breakthrough coming? I want to say, hold on to hope. You're thinking your life is a disappointment. Hold on to hope. You're thinking things are dead. Hold on to hope. Why, how do I know that? Because actually the word for hope that Isaiah uses, there's two options of, to use of translating that word hope, but the word Isaiah uses of hope all the way through his text is the word kavah. Q-A-V-A-R, kavah. And it's this imagery of a cord held in tension. You know when you pull the tension, it gets tighter and tighter. This is when he talks about hope. He says it's getting tighter and tighter, and you know you're getting nervous, and everyone starts to... Anyway, it's about a snap. It's about a snap. And he says, that is the hope that we've been given, this tension that's been held. And we have to, what do we do with that tension? What do we do with that moment before? Because God's going to bring a breakthrough at any moment. But I want to say this, my encouragement to you today. Though your life or your hope might feel like a stump cut short, your relationships cut short, your marriage cut short, and you want out, your, your health you cut short, and you're saying, I can't do this anymore. I want to tell you today, you don't need a roaring flame. You just need a flicker. Would you light the candle of hope? And rested on Jesus. Because here's my one request to you today. Don't uproot. A stump has potential for life as long as it doesn't uproot. I've been meeting with people in marriages that have been tough recently. And they say, we can't, I can't do this any longer. I can't do this any longer. It feels like I've been, everything's been cut short. Everything's been cut out. I want to say to you, sir, ma'am, if you believe the gospel, just don't uproot. You don't have to bear fruit. You just have to not uproot. Because if you don't uproot, watch what Jesus will do. Today, I want to pour hope into our hearts. I'm going to ask the band just to come up as we land. I want to pray for people.
Can we stand to our feet, please? Today, I want to give you an encouragement. If you are in a situation that needs hope in your life, you, a dream has died in your heart. Something that you had once dreamed for, that you once believed for, and you're like, ah, I don't think it's ever going to happen. So actually, a sin has got in the way, life has gone in the way, frustration has gone in the way, delays have gone in the way, and just like, ah, whatever. I want to say today, would you go out and buy a candle and light it at home? I'm not trying to start a new tradition or anything. I'm just saying this is the old tradition of, of the church family around the world. But we do this as a sign of symbol saying, actually, I don't, I don't, my flame isn't burning. It's not blazing, but there's a flicker. And as long as there's a flicker, God is still working. Maybe we need that visual imagery in our homes to remind us that actually we're living with anticipation. We still believe, though it may have taken a long time, though it's been delayed, it's not been denied. Though it's taking time, he hasn't changed his mind. I believe today, because of Jesus Christ, there is hope for every heart. Hope deferred, hope delayed, hope disappointed, hope crushed makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Jesus here today is, to pour, is here to pour hope and fuel into your hearts. Can we close our eyes? I don't know, as even I was preparing, I really felt there would be, this would be an encouragement to many hearts. It's an encouragement to my heart. But I felt there would be specifically two or three people who's, who would be walking into our meetings hopeless. And on the edge of quitting, quitting, I don't know, marriages, quitting life, quitting trusting God, quitting whatever is in front of them. But say, I'm on the edge. But today, I, I want to light the candle of hope in my heart. If you today want to say, actually, Jesus, is, I want you to come light the candle of hope in my heart. I just need a flicker of hope, Father. And I want to place it on the stump of my life, place it on the stump of brokenness, the stump of betrayal, the stump of fear. I want to place it on the stump of death, the thing that I thought I'd never be able to recover from. I'm going to put that candle of hope on that stump again today. If that's you, could you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Father, I thank you right now. Your word tells me that your promises... In Jesus, so yes and amen. Though we don't see it, we still believe it. Because either your word is a liar, or someone else is lying to us, but actually we believe that we take you at your word. Father, right now, I thank you as hands are raised, some with more vigor than others, some just with the little strength they have to put their hand up. I thank you, Father God, would hope flood in. I thank you, Father, right now, where situations have been deferred and delayed and disappointed, I pray right now that you would flood hearts with hope. I thank you, people have been trusting for healing. I thank you, Father God, right now today, hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. Hold on to hope. The diagnosis the doctor handed you, you right now place that on the stump of Jesus, the stump of Jesse, and say, the thing that was cut short will bear fruit. Right now, that marriage that seems dead and gone and you want out, I can't do it any longer. Right now, come and put it on the stump of Jesse, the stump of Jesus, the thing that's been cut short and say, actually, it's not what I wished for. I would have longed if I could start again, I'll try something different. But actually, I can't. But what I can do is not uproot and trust you for the fruit. I thank you, Father God, where people's hope has been disappointed by finances, by life, by relationships, by rejection. I pray right now, Father God, right now, will the candle of hope be lit. The candle of hope be lit. The candle of hope be lit, not by our fervor, not by optimism, but by Jesus being king. Jesus is king. 
Jesus is king. Jesus is king of marriage. Jesus is king of finance. Jesus is king of doctor's diagnosis. Jesus is king of parents. Jesus is king of the children. Jesus is king of your health. Jesus is king of your faith. Jesus is king over your sin. He is king over your shame. And he says, my promises are yes and amen. Yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So today, I thank you that what has been cut short will bear fruit. Because the candle of hoping has been lit in our hearts.